open our Bibles to John chapter 8. Um, ay, ay, ay. John chapter 8, um, verse 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of of life. This is uh, Jesus's second I am. And he says, I am the light of the world. This, uh, when we talked about the Feast of Tabernacles, when the Feast of Tabernacles would finish, it is then that Jesus said, he who is uh, thirsty, what is it? You guys want to turn it off? Okay, Dorothy. Please, just throw it out. Jonathan, throw it out. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Father, <laughs> thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you for being light and darkness. And I pray, Father, that you would take... Um, this statement that you made and the light and the context in which you made it, I pray that it will speak to us and it will uh, cause us to grow and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So at the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, we looked at if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And it was a symbol of, of Jesus being the rock in the Old Testament, in the wilderness. Jesus has said he was the bread. Jesus says, I am... Jesus is the shepherd feeding the 5,000. Jesus is the Lord of the storm. Jesus is the water of life. But at the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles, there would be these big candles that would be lit up to celebrate. And it would be right by the temple. And at night, the whole place would be lit up. Even when you went into the temple, there was the candlestick and it would light up the whole inner sanctuary. So there's the bread as you come into the temple. There's the candlestick. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Now notice that Jesus did not say, I am the light of Israel. He said, I am the light of the whole world. Listen to what God's word says through Isaiah 42.6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand I will keep you as a covenant to the people and as a light to the Gentiles. Even in the Old Testament, God was already saying, I'm not just the God of Israel. Even when he built the temple, he said, this temple is for also for the Gentiles, for all the non-Jews that will come and worship here. In Luke chapter 2, verse 32, Simeon said, my eyes have seen your salvation when he saw the baby which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. A light to bring light. When I was a kid, 
we often had power outages in Captepera. You know, you would just be there in the house. I, I live with my grandmother and all of a sudden the lights would go out. Whether it was a storm in November or whether it's just an inconsistency of, of the electrical um, power lines that we had at the time. But it was something else, man. You'd be there watching TV and you had the lights on and you would eat, be eating sunflower seeds or you would be having a hot chocolate with churros, you know. And next thing you know, everything is pitch black. And I still remember, I mean, you've all experienced it. I'm sure you're like, okay, lights are out. And you're just kind of feeling your way around and you're trying to find the matches in order to light. And that, in those days, we had a gas lamp. We would light up. And next thing you know, light would, the whole room would illuminate it. And, and our life would be lived around that light. Or you took that light with you in order to be able to see in, in Fonde Sacala by Captepera as well, there's a cave that Loretta and I like to go into. And, uh, and we took the kids. Jonathan's been there. Arden hasn't been there. And it's, uh, you go to the end of Fonde Sacala and you walk about 30 minutes. And there by the coast, there's this hole and you climb in. And there's actually, at the time there was a ladder. They've taken it out. And you would just climb down this ladder and you would go into this cave. And obviously a lot of people go into this cave and there would be candles everywhere, unlit. They're not lit. But uh, at one point I said to Loretta, Loretta, let's turn off the lights. And we turned off the lights and you could not see a thing. I mean, I could not see my hand right here. See nothing. And in order to walk, you're groping, you're feeling, but there's no way you want to go anywhere. Because you trip, you, you, you just have no light whatsoever. When the lights come on, we lit, up, we lit candles all over the cave, and we have our flashlights as well. All of a sudden, when you lit the lights, then you were able to move freely throughout the cave. It's amazing. It's got a little beach inside the cave. And, you, and the waves don't hit it, but, the, but, but you, can, you can hear it on the outside. How the, how, and, 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 and just a little shrimp living in there in the dark. But as soon as the light comes on, that's when you see the stalactites, you see the stalagmites, you see the columns, you see these flags, banners of, of rock, and then you see the, the, the transparent water and you see the, the shrimp, but it is because there's light that we're able to see. The world without Jesus is in darkness. Not a physical darkness. I mean, we still have the sun that comes up in the morning and goes out in the evening. And then at night we, ha we have no light, but, or we have the reflection. We have the moon on a good day. And, um, but, but, but a spiritual darkness. People are groping. People are feeling their way around. They're trying to figure out exactly how life works. The vast majority of people neither see nor understand the value of the soul of man. They neither see nor understand the reality of the love of God. And they neither see nor understand the reality of the world to come. Despite all the scientific discoveries, whether it's the atom, whether it's, uh, whether it's gravity, whether it's... Um, 
the second law of thermodynamics, whether it's space, no matter what the scientific discovery is, the world is still in darkness. Darkness still covers the earth and gross darkness, the people. Look what's going on in the world today. I mean, we've never had more scientific discoveries and people are killing each other in various fronts in our world. The other day I watched a video of a, of a lady that took her, her son to the fireplace to give him away. And, he's like, and she's like, yeah, you guys tell me to give him away, not to kill him, not to, not to put him in the trash. You tell me to bring him to, to the fireplace, to the fire department. Why are you giving me a hard time? That baby's Chinese. He's Asian and my boyfriend is black. There's no way I'm going to have that baby because my, my boyfriend will break up with me. Just hardness of heart as you're hearing this. The world in darkness. Never have we had more scientific discoveries and never has the world been so dark in many ways. And Jesus stands in history and he says, I am the light of the world. One thing that I don't think we realize sometimes, we kind of take for granted, is the impact of Jesus, that Jesus has had in our world. It is through the gospel of Jesus that the world has been influenced for good. Good toward the poor. Good towards the oppressed. Good towards the marginalized. It is the God of the Bible that has brought light to the sanctity for, for the value of human life. It is Jesus that it is through Jesus, through the gospel, that sexuality is elevated. It is through the gospel of Jesus that women receive freedom and dignity. I think of William Carey when he went to India. And you know, in those days, in, in the 1800s, when William Carey was around, he, he, he traveled there. And if your husband died, the wife had no reason to live. So they would bury her alive with the husband. And William Carey went over there and said, this is not right, and reversed that law. I just spoke to a lady the other day. And we, as we were conversing, she was, she, it was kind of surreal because she's like, I want to talk to the president. And I'm just like, maybe the president of her company, you know? She's like, I'm trying to speak to the president of Sierra Leone. Oh my goodness. Well, she was uphold. She was just so upset that rape was not illegal in Sierra Leone. Three-year-old girls were being raped, left paralyzed. And she saw that, a Christian lady. And she spoke to the, to the women there in government. And the women said, well, it's always been like that. We've all experienced that. And she said, no, no, that's not the way it should be. And she got the law changed. And today, 10 men are in prison for rape. And the rape, the rape uh, statistics have gone down dramatically in Sierra Leone because of this Christian woman. Charity and compassion. Have you ever noticed that most of the hospitals are, call, are called St. Juan, uh, St. This, St. That? It was Christians that started hospitals through charity and compassion. 
the Christianity's imprint on education. It was Christians that led the way to let to have people think. As a matter of fact, there was uh, Martin Luther in Germany and William Tyndale in, uh, in the UK who both said that they would cause the simple boy that pushed the plow to know more of the Bible than the priest knew. And what he was trying to say, I'm going to educate those that you have no faith that they can be educated. Christians leading the way in education. Labor and economic freedom, dignified, working, is dignifying. That comes through Christianity. Science, it was Christians who were the most inquisitive because they were not just trying to study science and leave God out. On the contrary, as they studied science, they worshipped. They worshipped God. In many ways, um, like Holly was saying, as she's looking into AI, she sees, my goodness, I'm programming this. So therefore, who programmed me? Liberty and justice. It was Christians that led the way for liberty and justice. And slavery was abolished in the UK by William Wilberforce, who was a Christian, having become friends with John, oh, I can't, I always get mixed up, Isaac Newton or John Newton, the, the hymn writer, who was a slave trader, who became a Christian, and through the process of the gospel, left the slave trade, confessing the things he had done, and actually, through his friend who worked in Parliament, they abolished slavery in the UK. Christians. There's a book by Glenn um, oh, Scriver, Skrenner that says the air that we breathe. The things that we enjoy in our Western civilization, equality, compassion, consent, enlightenment, service, a science, freedom, progress, none of these values are self-evident, nor are they widespread among civilizations in the world. And he asked the question, so where did they come from and how did they get to become the air that we breathe? How is it that we can cry out for justice, for a fair trial? How is it that we can uh, put laws in there of consent? In the past, you, you could take women and you could do whatever and they had no rights. And he says, this has become the air that we breathe. And there's no other word to describe how it's become the air that we breathe except through the word Christianity. And Jesus stands and says, I am the light of the world. One of my favorite quotes by C.S. Lewis is this. C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen. Not because I see it but because by it, I see everything else around me. Think about it. The sun rises. I don't have to look at the sun, but because the sun has risen, I can see everything around me. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And by seeing him, we are able to see the world rightly. 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Following Jesus will fill your life with life, with light, with understanding, with enlightenment, with intelligence, with wisdom and how to live for God and others. If you went into my house and you watched and you saw the kettle boiling and you asked, how and why is the kettle boiling? Well, somebody, depending who's there, they might say, well, the more energetic molecules changed to gas, spread out and form bubbles, these rise to surface and enter the atmosphere, to the surface and enter the atmosphere. It requires energy to change from liquid to a gas. In addition, gas molecules leaving the liquid remove thermal energy from the liquid. Yes, and science can tell you how and why the water's boiling. But if you ask Loretta, she would say, because I love my husband and he's coming today and I want to make him a cup of tea. It's the meaning. It's the reason. And so we can try to think that scientifically and, and without God and without the Word of God and without Jesus, we can do life, but you'll just be groping in the darkness. It is as when we come to Jesus that we begin to realize the cosmic battle for our souls, the fall of man, that this is not the world the way that God created it, but we made this. But God so loved us that he sent his son and that there's meaning for our lives and that there's forgiveness and that there's cleansing and that there's restoration, that there's power to change our lives. That actually redeemed man is better than created man, although man fell. And we begin, we begin to see life as it should be. We see the reason for life. But think about this woman who was caught in adultery. Everybody's just like right there. Moses told us. Moses told us that she should be stoned. They are the religious leaders bringing her to the uh, bringing her sin to the light. The religious leaders with all the truth of the word of God, because what they were saying was true. She was deserving of death according to the Mosaic law. She had messed up, and they wanted to apply the law of God to her. They were hard, brutally honest, hard. And that's the problem because Jesus in that light brings the, in, in himself brings the reason why he came. Jesus brings the light of mercy. He who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And one by one they left. And then, and then he says, where are your accusers? There, does none condemn you? No, neither do I condemn you. And here Jesus, he, he says he's the light of the world because just in that situation, he's already showing that he's come to bring mercy to the world, to bring grace to the world. Jesus brings the light of opportunity to that woman. Jesus is wonderful it makes us see life as it should be.
And this is what we want to be as a church. We want to reflect the light of Jesus. There are not many places to learn about God. And we need communities that are Christ-loving, gospel-centered, Bible-teaching, community and culture-engaging, grace-filled churches. That as Jesus stands and says, I am the light of the world, and that as he says to the disciples, you are the light, you are the salt of the earth, that as we look at ourselves and think to ourselves, how can that be that we realize that not only do we carry the privilege of seeing things clearly because we, uh, we know Jesus, he, he's illuminated, we, we're able to see life as it is, where we come from, where we're going, where we're at, what the solution to the problems are. But not only that, but we get to reflect that to other people. The deeper we know the Lord, the clearer we see him, the better that we're able to bring hope to the people around us. We need Christ-loving, gospel-centered, Bible-teaching, community and cultural-engaging, grace-filled churches. Twenty-two times in this gospel, John describes Jesus as light, as the light. Again, I want to read this. I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And Jesus is saying by claiming to be the sun, the light of the world, only by me can you see and understand life. Only by Jesus can we see and understand life. Why the kettle's boiling. Only by Jesus, only by me, can you see and understand the world. Your life will only make sense as you follow me. What's her name? Yesterday I was I watched a testimony. If you guys have a chance to watch it, it's so good. Um, let me see. What's her name? Um, what is it? Kathmandu? No. Cat <laughs> Cat Von D. She was on a on a TV show, the Florida uh, tattoo artist. And then she became, uh, she had a series on TV in Southern California, uh, LA Inc. And she is filled from head to toe with tattoos. She was into tarot cards, into the occult, into all kinds of stuff. And, next, and she came from missionary parents. And uh, she ran away from home at the age of 14, I think it was. And then she was put into a boarding school at the age of 15. No, yeah, yeah. Um, just a, a crazy thing. And, and then I, I just uh, heard her testimony. She says, my goodness, I'm just on fire for Jesus. All of a sudden, life just makes sense. She says, not meditation, not tarot cards, not assemblies calling anyone in. 
not self, but Jesus. She says, all my friends are miserable. She says, and I'm not saying that disrespectfully, I love them, but imagine they're making their major decisions on the basis of tarot cards or, or spiritual assemblies, major decisions in life. When Jesus stands in history, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. Light illuminates. When the children of Israel, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he's also referring to the light that they had at night in the wilderness. I am the light. And you know what? That fire and that cold desert warmed them up. That light warmed them up. And Jesus warms our souls. He warms our hearts. He tenderizes us. But not only that, Light also illuminates. It causes us to grow. I remember as a new Christian reading an apologist or listening, actually, it was a, a video. Um, and, and I remember finishing with watching this particular apologist. And I turned to Cheryl Broderson. Uh, you guys watched the Jesus Revolution and uh, Pastor Chuck, well, his daughter. And I said to her, I didn't understand a thing that I heard. And she said, you will. And you, that's right. <laughs> Amen. But you know what? The Holy Spirit comes and the word of God comes. And David said, I have more understanding than all my teachers because you yourself teach me. And it's amazing how the Holy Spirit educates us as we plug into Jesus, how we grow and we not only get warm. I mean, here the Pharisees have the truth, but no heart. Some people have all heart, but no truth. But here you have the light that warms and the light that enlightens. And listen to what C.S. Lewis says. I'm not going to read the same one again. He says this, Look to yourself and you will only find hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else. That's right. But it's not a cute statement that Jesus made. It is a real statement. To know him personally, to believe in him. But listen, not just to believe him, not just to um, um, love him, not just to, to be fond of him, but actually to follow him. That means practically. That means that when we become a disciple, it means that we put ourselves as an intern. We don't, I, you know, I, I, I remember being a teenager just thinking I knew everything, you know. And, and with Jonathan, sometimes you get the picture, the, the things like he would do an internship on a 42-meter yacht and he would tell the captain exactly how it's to run. You know, sometimes we just, we just think, we, we just know everything. But, but you know what? To, to become a disciple, to follow Jesus, it means that we listen to him when it makes no sense to us. But we say, like Peter said, Lord, we've been fishing all night and caught nothing. And then Jesus says, cast your nets on the other side. 
And then they cast their nets on the other side. And he says, okay, well, nevertheless, at your word, we'll cast them over. And he, and he cast them, and then they caught so many fish that they could barely pull him in. But to, to know him and to trust him, to follow him. I'll give you one example of Well, I, uh, there's so many. I dated a lot before I became a Christian. I mean, I dated a lot. I worked at nightclubs. I was public relations, you know, so, and I was... 23, I've been in the military, and, 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 and I just, you know, I wasn't with a girl that I already thought, you know what, what else is in the horizon? It was that, that's just the way it was. And I remember coming to the Lord, and I had a German girlfriend, she lived in Hanover, and I remember realizing, as I read my Bible, and I read about marriage. And I read about um, just building my foundation on a solid rock, the solid rock of Jesus. And I just remember thinking to myself, you know what? I've dated so much and it never has worked. Why don't I try Maybe like God says, after all, after all, he decided, he, he designed relationships. And I call my girlfriend, sorry, this is kind of a, I've never told this story, but I, I told my girlfriend, hey girl, I forgot her name. It's a long time ago. And I said, you know, um, we're done. She's like, what? I said, es geht nicht mehr. We're done. And she's like, what happened? I said, I've become a Christian. And she's like, I'm coming over. I was in the States. She got on a plane and came over all the way over to, to North Carolina where I was. And I said, listen, I've met the Lord and I really want to do things differently. I don't want to give my heart to anybody else. I want to wait until the one that God has for me. She read Revelation. She became a Christian. I was like, there she goes. That's the one, you know, and it wasn't. I went over to her house in Germany. Her parents thought I was in a cult because I always read my Bible, which always was a bit of an enigma to me because they were Lutherans and Luther encouraged reading the Bible. Now these guys that are Lutherans actually think I am in a cult because I'm reading the Bible. And they actually kicked me out of the house and I had to leave. She said, I will meet you in Bible college. And she never came. I was gutted. I was so disappointed. She kept my gold necklace that my grandmother gave me. She kept all my paperwork from the military. She kept even my clothes. I, I, I don't even know. Oh, Claudia was her name. I don't even know. I, I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know um, 
her number. I don't I don't even know. I mean, I would love that gold necklace. I mean, my grandmother raised me, you know. I, who knows where that ended up. But then I became kind of radical. This is just one aspect of my life, of, of these decisions, you know. But then um, I, I became a very radical. There was a girl in Bible college I really liked, and she liked me. She was De, uh, Demas Shikarian's granddaughter. That is full gospel businessman. She was a multi-multi-millionaire. She wanted to marry me. I was like, there you go. That's the... But, you know, we, 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 we fought all the time and we struggled, but I was quite radical. Either we, now, I'm not saying you have to be like me, but I said either we get married or there's no dating. I didn't want to give my heart to anybody. And then I, I, I was moving to London because I believed the Lord was leading me to London, and I thought, that's it. I'm leaving Bible college. All my chances of finding a wife are done. And then there was another girl that liked me. Beautiful Christian girl. And you, you guys know this story. I traveled all the way to Indiana to ask her husband, her husband. To ask her that. If I could marry her, can you imagine? Can I marry your wife? You get to ask, to ask her father if I could marry her. And he said to me, after the rapture that means after the lord comes back <laughs> and i thought he was joking he, he was as serious as death so i came back disappointed disappointed back to uh london and i had been working with this girl called loretta and I was completely disappointed. And, and then she thought I was an angel with a message for her. And so she asked me to go have coffee and I just shared the Lord with her. And then on, in the year 2000, January 1st, 2000, Loretta became a believer. And I just thought, oh my goodness, because I wasn't attracted to Loretta before because she wasn't a Christian. By this time, I was done with non-Christian. And the reason I wouldn't date a non-Christian was this, how can I spend the rest of my life with someone that does not love the same person I love and I can't talk about them with? It wasn't a legal thing. It wasn't like, oh, I can't marry a non-Christian. It's like, no, if, it's, if he is the one that I want to I share life with, if, if I want to know him, if I want to serve him, and I want to talk about him, how can I be married to someone I can't talk to? No, we don't talk about him. Right? And so, um, um, so then Loretta becomes a Christian. And by this time, I'm done with girls done and I'm moving to the States and I said Loretta my purpose in your life is done and so you go on with Jesus and I go my way and then Loretta says why don't we get married and I said okay <laughs> and then it was just like I gotta go home and pray and the, and we got married and the first seven years were hell on earth I mean it was it was wonderful in some ways because we loved each other we really cared about each other, but when we fought, we fought. I mean, it was rough. And, and the other day, well, just, we're at a place in our, in our life that I'm just, honestly, I mean, I, if Loretta was to pass away today, and Andrew, where Andrew? I remember Susan, Andrew's wife passed away how many years ago? 21 and I remember going to his apartment 
and um, and the, still their names were on the door. And I said, Andrew, have you ever thought of remarriage? And he said, never. Now I'm not saying remarrying is wrong, but listen, if I was to do it all over again, uh, if Loretta was to pass away, I really, I don't even, it's such hard work in some way marriage <laughs> to, to get to this point, but I don't even think I would wanna get married again. But honestly, what I have with Loretta is just like, it's incredible when two people love God and yield to him and love each other. And the point of this whole story is, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. This is one area of my life that I decided to follow Jesus with. And say, it doesn't make sense to me because I had a different view. It doesn't make sense to me, but you know what? I'm going to follow you even through the disappointments, even through the feeling like I'm losing something so great. And I think in our life, if we're going to be discipled by Jesus, and if we're going to follow Jesus as the light of the world, we need to follow him despite sometimes what we think. To follow him means we listen to him even when it doesn't make sense to us or even when our flesh wants something else. Well, I could go on with stories, but time's way gone. So I just want to encourage us. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Take that to heart. Press into him you will see life clearer and follow that wisdom, follow that knowledge, follow the way, follow the truth, follow the life, and you will look back and you will see that, my goodness, his way is always best, even if it costs. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for your loving grace and and Lord that by seeing you everything else makes makes sense Lord to see marriage the way you see that to see children the way you see to see jobs the way you see you've br you've brought dignity to it all you brought value to it all we are not things we are souls valuable souls and Father, we pray that you would have um, continue to grow us in you and, and help us, Lord, to, to, to walk in the light that you put before us, Lord, the light of your word, the light of your son, the light of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.